Hello. How are you? Great. How are you? I am fried, honestly. Same. It's been a week. The AC in my car went out. That's not great. I uh, got strep. That's also not great. No, not ideal. Oh, yeah. Last time we recorded, you were exposed to COVID. COVID, yeah. So, yeah, so I was exposed to COVID, and I was just being safe and wearing a mask, which is good, because then, Mm -hmm. um, like, two days later, I developed a sore throat, and I had a terrible headache, and then I had a fever. And I was like, hmm, that's not great. I should go get COVID tested. And while I was getting COVID tested, they're like, you know, we're also going to strep test you. Just smart. Yeah. And yeah, they're like, you don't have COVID, but you got strep, girl. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Love this journey for us. So I got some antibiotics and uh, slept for two days. And yeah. Yeah. I'm luckily feeling a lot better. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now I sound like shit and it's not because of tiffany no it's not my fault because i was wearing a mask the whole time i was here yes uh it's because i work with children that are grimy and gross (laughs) (laughs) lindsay gets colds so frequently from working with children i hate it i've always been a sick kid yeah i I, like i asked alex i was like why am i always so sick he's like yeah i've been sick for like the past year and i was like yeah but like even as a teenager in high school i would get a cold like once a month yeah constantly have a runny nose so it's not optimal. I hate it. I mean, my kids better not get me sick all the time when I have that. Oh. I'll be so pissed. Like, I, you little parasite. <laughs> Listen here, kid. <laughs> Child. This, this is not what I signed up for. Also today, I am like, I am just dehydrated. And I say today, but it's like 11 o'clock when we're recording this. Yep. Um, I... Got up at 6.30 this morning, and I was driving around to get parts to work on my car because the AC went out. That's fun. And I took it to a shop, and they quoted me $18 to $2,500. Woo! Yeah. And I was like, what about the $3 that I have right now? Is that enough? And they were like, no, goodbye. So can I leave you an IOU? Right. They're like, I'll give you a signed autograph. <laughs> they didn't care. So yeah, I uh, talked to my dad and he was like, sure, I'll help you out with some troubleshooting. So today we basically took the whole front of my car apart. Mm-hmm. Like we took the radiator out. We took like fans out. We took a crossbar support beam out. We completely changed out an AC compressor. It was a lot. And every, I had to go to three different stores to get all the parts. And every single one I got talked down to. Because I was like, I need X, Y, and Z. Well, I would call before I went, number one. Mm -hmm. And everybody was fucking lying. So I called one and they were like, yeah, no, we have everything here. And I was like, cool, I'll just go there. It's on my way. Awesome. Went there, and they're like, oh, well, no, we do have it, but just, like, not in this store. Uh, It's in our other location, which is 20 minutes away. But if you want us to, we can um, order it, and it'll be here by 11 for you. And I was like, yeah, no, that's not going to work because it is 8 o'clock in the morning at this point, and I I need it now. And they were like, oh, 
And I was like, okay, well then I'm going to go. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then I went to another shop that was online, supposed to open at 730. Mm-hmm. And I got there. Were they not open? And they weren't open. Yeah. And on the door, the hours posted were 730. They don't need to be there. And so I called their main location and I was like, hey, so it says 730 and nobody's here. And the guy was just like, mm, I don't know. And I was like, cool. Can I talk to someone who would know? Yeah. No. <laughs> okay, cool. I'm going to just check back later if I still need something. I ran a bunch of errands. Like, I had to run around to, like, borrow things from other people, just, like, equipment and stuff. And finally, like, I got everything I needed. But, again, like I said, every single time I stopped at a store and I went in a store and was like, I need these parts. I'm here to pick up. Or, like, I called and asked about these parts and you guys said you had them. It'd be like, oh, what's going on with your car? And I'm like, well, it was blowing AC and now it's not. And we've determined that I need to replace this. Well, have you checked the fuses or, or the relays? No. I was like, yeah, I did. And they're like, well, you know, there's also a piece over here that's blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, we already checked that. And they're like, oh, well. Do you have someone helping you work on this? No, I don't. <laughs> and I was like, if you could just literally give me the parts that I'm asking you for. Like, this is not hard. Like, yeah. you don't have to, like, talk to me like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Like, there's a certain amount of, like, helpfulness that I think people should have when you're doing your job. But then there's also, like, I'm asking for these parts because I need these parts. It was kind of like when we were trying to buy our audio equipment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. I don't know why. I'm just like, hey, these are the things that I need. And they're like, oh, ma'am, I literally got called sweetie. They're like, oh, sweetie. No. What what kind of project are you working on? I was like, the kind that requires a new AC compressor. If you need to know my name, it's this. I was like, this is like a $350 car part. I'm not just making it up. You want to know what really pissed me off, though? I would love to. Aside from being talked down to, like, just the fact that I'm in here trying to buy parts. Like I said, like, the parts that I had to buy were not cheap. Do you think they would have sold it to you easier if, like, you were just a man? That's the part that pissed me off the most. (laughs) Because, like, one of the places I went in, I bought, like, multiple, like, the first store I went in, I only ended up buying, like, a um, cabin air filter. Not a big deal. Yeah. The last place I went in, I only bought a um, AC pressure sensor. Again, it's like a $35 part. Not a big deal. But the place I went to in the middle, I spent almost $400 on parts. And they were just like, well, I just want to make sure you understand that da-da-da-da-da-da-da. No. And I was like, (laughs) yes, I know. And then they're like, well, do you have, like, a manual that you're following? And I was like, I have it under control. And then, like, there's dudes in there. Literally, one guy on one side of me was just, like, this old white guy. And they were looking for him in the computer, and they couldn't find him. And finally, he was just like, can you just sell it to me? And the guy was like, yeah, absolutely. I'll just go ahead and ring you up right now. Like, didn't try and take any of his information. And, you know, like... They're supposed to ask for your information or whatever so they can, like, sign you up for the rewards or whatever. Okay. And the guy was like, can you just check me out? And the guy was like, absolutely. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then this other guy just, like, walked in 
and like grabbed two things and was like, I need this part. This guy just went in the back and got it. And like there are two transactions going on. The people walked in after I got there and left way before I did because they weren't like being asked so many questions. And are you sure you understand? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, guys, like I'm on a fucking like. I've got shit to do today. It is also like Ian's birthday weekend. And I don't want to spend (laughs) my boyfriend's whole birthday weekend fucking working on a car. Mm -hmm. Like I am thankful that I have the ability and have people who can help me and do all these things. And that I do know enough about it to be able to do these types of projects. Like I'm super thankful because that's a huge savings and it's all good things, whatever. But like... I also don't want to spend 10 hours doing it. And I don't have to if I don't have to spend two hours chasing down parts or spend half an hour for something that should take 10 minutes because you want to make sure that the little lady knows right. what she's doing. Yeah. Like, bro, <laughs> just fucking take my money and let me leave. Seriously? I just want to buy this part. So, yeah. That was... I got... I was real fired up this morning. Like, I don't blame you. Because it was, like, first thing in the morning, too. Like, I had just yeah. woken up, took care of my dogs, literally, like, left my house and immediately was, like, trying to track down these car parts. Mm-hmm. That, again, like, I called places and they were like, oh, yeah, we have that. And then I got there and they're like, mm, no, actually, just kidding. Yeah. And the same thing happened at the second place, the place that I ended up buying a bunch of parts from. They're like, oh, we have literally everything except this one piece, and I'm sorry that they told you that, but yeah, no, super don't. And I was like, cool, cool, cool. Fuck that part. I'll yeah. deal with that later. So, yeah. Wow. Great day. Sounds like it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, I've probably ranted for long enough. Um, do you want to take a quick break? Yeah, let's take a quick break. Yeah. All right, so what is our topic? Our topic for today is abduction. It is. <laughs> Which honestly was probably my biggest fear as a child. Like my parents like were like, it was less, sh- they weren't like stranger danger. Yeah. In like the way it's taught now, they were like, don't talk to anybody because they're going to kidnap you. Just anybody. Right, like. <laughs> Don't talk to grandma. <laughs> They're literally like, adults don't want to talk to you. They don't want to be your friend, which is true. That's true. Yeah. Like, and honestly, like, if I was going to have kids, I'd probably do the same thing. Like, a, an adult doesn't need your help, Tiffany. No. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. that's literally how they were. But I was so like, oh, my God, everybody wants to kidnap me. I'm a hot commodity. <laughs> it was a whole thing. Yeah, no, I believe it. Who are you talking about? Uh, I am talking about Ariel Castro. Which is a doozy. How about you? Who do you have? I am talking about a Junko Furuto. As I believe how you say it, based off of the numerous times I've listened to this audio. Alright. But uh, obviously with my voice being the way that it is, it's going to be a little bit harder to do uh, any kind of accurate. Fair enough. <laughs> so... The quote for this week is, if an abduction is reported, it is dealt with the same way as a kidnap. And that is by Mark Shields. 
Which, like, I would hope so, because they're kind of the same thing. A little bit. Like, there's differences, but there's also I mean, if if someone's kidnapped and abducted, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's almost the same. It's just age. I've been taken. Let's just call it. (laughs) Someone call Liam Neeson. Right? He'll he'll solve it. Um, Why don't you tell us all about this lovely drink? I am so excited to try this drink. This week's drink is a sweetened tart, which, love the name. It is two ounces of gin, one ounce of sweet and sour mix, a third of a cup of 7-Up. Now, I just topped our drinks off. I did not measure that. Yeah. Some of the 7-Up. Yes. And then some grenadine. It says two to three drops, but, like, make it a pretty color. Like, the color of this right now is pretty banging. It reminds me of a sunset. Like, that orangey-pink kind of color, you know, like, you're at the beach. I, when I was in... Like, elementary school age, I had a pair of jelly shoes that were this color. (laughs) I love it. And so, honestly, this color is making me super nostalgic. Mm. I'm like, ugh, I wish I could just keep that color forever. Yep. Back when I thought I was a hot commodity that everybody wanted to adjust in my jelly shoes. (laughs) All right. I'm going to try it. So. I was was kind of concerned by that face. You did miss out on last week's. I did. (laughs) I did. So. It is gin. It is gin. We all know that's not Tiffany's favorite. It's not my favorite. And, you know, I have to say, this time I'm going to just have to quote Ian because (laughs) we let the guys test this drink out this evening. Um, just to kind of see what their thoughts were. And since normally I'm the one who gives the description and we yes. were like, Ian. Cause he hasn't him? yet. We haven't, we haven't let him. Exactly. Yeah. So I was like, here you go. You get to do the rating of this drink. And I don't remember what he rated it, but I personally would rate it I like a, I don't think so. Yeah. I would rate it like a seven, seven, a six or a seven. Like I could drink it props, but I wouldn't order it. And I would be like, oh, shit. Well, that, that wasn't what I was hoping for. I don't dislike it. Um, Alex said it was really good, and Alex drank it, like, while it was fresh. Yeah, maybe we, we just let, let it, it sit, sit too long. For, like, an hour, and yeah. it watered itself down. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if, like, we're missing out on that. Yeah. But just in case we are, I am going to, uh, <laughs> like I said, quote Ian. Yes. Because Ian had it fresh, too. He had it yeah. fresh, and... The rating, the description. Yes. For, you know, where it ranks on the scale of the audacity of a mediocre white man is like when you're in public transportation, like a bus, and you get on, and there's this really hot guy who gets on at the same time as you, like super attractive, and you're like, okay, this is fine. And there's no places to sit, so you both have to stand, and he's kind of standing behind you. And, you know, like, if you're on public transport and they, like, hit a pothole and people wobble, whatever, or if you, like, turn, the driver turns too sharp or whatever, you wobble a little bit. It's kind of like anytime there's the slightest jostle, he kind of, like, is, like, thrusting into it behind you. So you're kind of just getting thrusted into by a stranger on a bus. So, yeah, that's this drink. (laughs) 
Which is unfortunate, because like I said, it's beautiful. It is. I like it. It's it's relatively watered down. Yeah. Um. So it's kind of ruining it. I feel like it would be better if, like, because also, like, at this point, like. I don't get a lot like, of flavor. At this point, also, like, the soda's kind of flat from sitting out. So I feel like yeah. if it was still, like, fizzy. Bubbly. Yeah. Maybe whenever we get done recording, I'll, like, top it off with more <laughs> right, 7-Up right, right, yeah. and then just see how it does. Also, that's that's oh. always my answer whenever it's like yeah. I don't like add more. <laughs> I don't like the alcohol that's in this drink. Like I don't like gin. Let me just add more of whatever mixer is in with it. Pretty much. And then I have to make uh, I have to make it tomorrow. Yeah. And fresh. So I'll try it tomorrow and see if it's any yeah. different. <laughs> let me know. I don't know. I would say it's about a five. Okay. I don't. I don't hate it. I love it. Yeah. It's not wowing me. It's watered down. It tastes like gin. Watered down gin is what I taste. Yeah. So, but my fun fact: Sunline Inc. was a candy company which began business in 1952 in St. Louis, Missouri. Which, like, I thought was really fun because that's actually where Alex is from. Aww. Yeah. It sold a variety of powdered sweets for children, like Pixie Sticks, and I don't know what this one is. It's Lick Maid. What the fuck is that? Yeah. I know Pixie Sticks. I was going to say, I think that's probably like a lick and dip. Okay. Um, Those are good. (laughs) Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) I would just eat those little sticks. I was going to say, that was the problem is I ate this stick too fast. powder. And then it's like, what the fuck do I do do with this? And like, my mom would get mad at me because like, I would be like, I am a horse. And this is my feed bag. That's funny. Because the stick is gone. We, I would buy pixie sticks because uh, you get a bag of them yeah. at the Dollar Tree for a dollar. And then I would make a profit off of it and sell each one for like 25 cents. Well, there you go. All right. Entrepreneur yeah. Lindsay. I did that middle school, public school. Way to go. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, however, due to the response to the messy nature of powdered candies... Sunline began to manufacture and distribute the powder in a tablet form, which is how we have the, like, what, sweet tarts? Yeah. Yeah. Which, I don't really like sweet tarts. I fuck with those hard. Um, which is weird, because I'm usually more of, like, a sugar mm-hmm. candy fan versus, like, chocolate. Mm-hmm. Um, I love it. It's like medicine. I love it. It's, I mean, it's what the name says, sweet and tart. Yeah. Know? So, I base this, obviously, off of the candy. Yeah. yeah. That'd be fun. <laughs> It is. We've already done gin. I can't do gin again. And I didn't feel like grenadine or sweet and sour mix was going to be a fun thing. Yeah, no. I feel like I'm, I'm good on all those things. So <laughs> this is a good choice. <laughs> Sorry. Excuse me. You're good. All right. Well, because we love listening to me talk. <laughs> I'm excited. I get to go first. Woo! Heads up. Trigger warning for my entire story. If you don't want to listen, uh, I will have in the show notes the timestamp of when my story ends and when Tiffany's begins, obviously, because mine has a lot of, like, uh, graphic details. But I don't want to be the podcast host that doesn't include those, because I feel like it's important. Fair enough. shows how severe crime is. Yeah, fair enough. So, I believe I said it was Junko Furuata, mm-hmm. lived with her parents, her older brother, and her youngest brother in Misato Saitama Prefecture, Japan. All right. So, during her teens, uh, Junko attended Yashio Minami High School. While she did that, she would work part-time at a plastic molding factory. Mm-hmm. She had accepted a new job at an electronics retailer, which she planned on starting after her graduation of high school. I believe she was 
planned to graduate in 1989, and this was currently 1988. Okay. So that's the time frame. Yeah, so right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. Junko was well-liked by her peers. She had high grades and was not absent from school very often, so she was a really good kid. Yeah. On November 25th, 1988, Hiroshi Miyano and Sin... Sinjai Minato had decided to wander around with the intentions of robbing and raping women. Great. Yeah. There's a gang involved, which I should have done some backstory on, but I didn't. Um, and I guess they were, like, involved with this gang or acquaintances of members of this gang. But, so this wasn't, like, uncommon for them, basically. Okay. So early in the evening, I think it was around 8... She's, uh, Junko is coming home from her work. She's riding her bike, and the boy spotted her riding her bike home. I read another article where it said that apparently all these kids went to high school together. I guess, from my understanding, is Hiroshi was interested romantically in Junko. Yeah. She said no, and he didn't like that. And so when they they saw her, they're like, let's get her. Yeah, let's get even. But I don't know, like... How accurate? Because I've heard yeah. it because it goes both ways. I was gonna say because like it's, it doesn't really matter to me because it's still fucked up. But, right. You like know. either way, it's like whatever happened. Obviously, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I've heard this case. Yeah. Before, but like, it's still, it's still fucked up. Like, whenever you have those back and forth things in the background, and it's like, oh, is this retaliation? Great. Yeah. And of course, she's not here to. Right, say anything. one way or the other. <laughs> yeah. These two guys, they made a plan that Sinji would kick her off of her bike and flee the scene, while Hiroshi would witness this by coincidence and approach her and offer to walk her home safely. Yeah. So then he led her to a nearby warehouse where he raped her and then took her to a hotel where he raped her again while threatening to kill her in this whole process. At that point, he called his friends to brag about what he had done. His other friends were, I don't I couldn't find the pronunciation, but it's J-O, but it has like an accent line across it, so I don't know what that does to an O. Mm-hmm. But anyways, so it, it looks like it's Joe or Gura and then Yasushi want to be. Gura had asked Hiroshi to keep her there so they could all rape her. And like I said, this group was involved in a gang, and so uh, they had a history of gang raping and had recently kidnapped and raped another girl and then had released afterward. Around 3 a.m., Hiroshi took Junko to a nearby park where all of his friends met them. The group told her that they knew where she lived and that this gang, Yakuza, would kill her family if she ever attempted to escape. The boys then, of course, overpowered her, took her to Sinjai's parents' house, and gang raped her. Her parents had contacted the police to report their daughter's disappearance on November 27th, but the kidnappers had forced her to contact her mother to explain that she'd run away and was safe at a friend's house. Then, Junko stopped the entire police investigation, per their demand. This is the part that really got me at first. This was not one of these guys' in individual houses. This was a parent's house, and so that meant the parents lived there. Yeah. When Sinjai's parents were home, they forced her to act like his girlfriend. Shit. Eventually, that faded because she was growing uncomfortable more and more. But his parents were afraid of intervening because they were so afraid of him and his connection to this gang. Jesus. And feared retaliation 
as their son was increasingly violent towards them. They held Junko captive in the Minato residence for 40 days. Mm-hmm. She was repeatedly beaten, raped, and tortured. According to the boy's statements, the four of them had shaved her pubic hair, forced her to dance to music while naked, and masturbate in front of them. She slept on the balcony in the middle of the night with little clothing. And it was, like, freezing temperatures. Because oh. this was, like, December. November, December. Yeah. They inserted objects into her vagina and anus, including a lit match, a metal oh. rod, a bottle. They force-fed her with large amounts of alcohol, milk, and water. Then she also was forced to inhale paint thinner. In one incident, Hiroshi repeatedly burned her legs and arms with lighter fluid. Don't love that. By the end of December... Junko was severely malnourished after only being fed small amounts of food and eventually only milk. Due to her severe injuries and infected burns, she eventually became confined to the floor of Hiroshi's, uh, or sorry, Sinji's uh, room in a state of extreme weakness. Later, when an autopsy was done, it actually was found that her brain had shrunk due to the lack of blood supply and constant trauma. Finally, while playing a game of Mahjong, she beat them while playing this yeah. game on January 4th, 1989. That would be the evening that she took her last breath. She beat them, and they decided that that was unacceptable and beat the fuck out of her. They kicked and punched her, ignited a candle and dripped hot wax on her face, placed two short candles on her eyelids, and forced her to drink her own urine. During this attack, I guess she fell into a stereo unit and collapsed into, like, a fit of convulsions. The boys then put plastic bags on their hands so they wouldn't get her blood or the pus from her infections on their hands and continued to beat her while she's convulsing. Oh, my God. They set fire to her once again. I believe they did this, like, three times. She allegedly attempted to, like, put out the fire before becoming unresponsive. Yeah. This attack had lasted two hours, reportedly, before she eventually came to her wounds and died. Mm -hmm. There also was another article where she had survived an entire day, Mm -hmm. went into shock, and then died. Yeah. These men wrapped her body in blankets and shoved her into a travel bag. Then they placed her body into a 55-gallon drum and filled it with wet concrete. Around 8 p.m., they loaded it and eventually disposed of the drum into a cement truck. On... January 23rd, 1989, two of the men were arrested for a gang rape of a 19-year-old woman they had kidnapped in December, which was due to Junko basically dying and decaying in front of them, and they weren't sexually interested in her anymore because she just was so terribly off. Two officers come in to interrogate them because they found underwear in their homes. This is where Hiroshi thought his friend had confessed. Uh Uh-huh. And he was like, well, actually, like, we did this to this other person, and you can find her here. And the police were so thrown off, they were like, we were referring to a completely different murder. Cool, 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 cool. Yeah, which um, was a woman and her seven-year-old son that occurred nine days prior to Junko's abduction. And that case remains unsolved to this day. Oh, that sucks. Police found the drum, which contained Junko's body, and she was identified by her fingerprints. Mm -hmm. On April 1st, 1989, Ogura was arrested for a separate sexual assault and then re-arrested for Junko's murder. The arrest of the others quickly followed, and several other accomplices who participated in Junko's abuse were officially identified, including two men who were charged with rape after their DNA was found on and inside the victim's body. (sighs) 
From an article I read, it was thought that Junko went through 500 rapes in total. Oh, Jesus. In 44 days that she spent at this house. Yeah. Initially, the identity of the men involved were sealed by the court due to them being juveniles. Mm-hmm. They were like 17, 16. Oh, what? But journalists from a magazine discovered their identities uh-huh. and quickly published them, stating that given the severity of the crime, they didn't deserve to not yeah, have their absolutely. names publicized. Like, fuck you. All also, form- yes. like, you're old enough to know better. Like, yeah. if you're 17 years old. Well, that's telling Alex. Like, throughout this entire thing, I've written, like, boys, 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 because, like, that's how all the other girls are written. But, yeah. like, they're men, basically. They're right. men. They're adults. They are old enough to know better. Yeah. You don't do this to people. Yeah. All four men involved pled guilty to committing bodily injury that resulted in death, not murder. Yeah. I'm not super pleased with all of this. No. In July 1990, a court sentenced Tarashi, who was the alleged leader of the crime, to 17 years in prison. He attempted to appeal, but a Tokyo High Court judge sentenced him to an additional three years in prison. Yay! So that was good. I was good with that. Sinji was sentenced to five to nine years upon his repeat appeal after originally receiving a four to six year sentence. Yeah. Doesn't feel like long enough for me. No. Yasushi was originally sentenced three to four years, but received an upgrade sentence of five to six. Ogura served eight years in a juvenile prison before being released in August 1999. He then took on a different family name from when a supporter adopted him, and he is said to have boasted about his role in the kidnapping, rape, and torture of Junko Ferrata. In 2004, he was arrested for assaulting an acquaintance of a girlfriend and was sentenced to seven years in prison. But it wasn't surprising because, as I wrote, uh, that apple doesn't fall far from the tree because his mother vandalized Junko's grave, stating uh. that Junko ruined her son's life. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's that's what happened. Okay. Yeah. Fucker. So Junko Ferrata's funeral was held on April 2nd, 1989. Mm-hmm. Her future employers presented her parents with the uniform she would have worn in the position that she had accepted, <sighs> which was then placed inside Junko's casket and buried with her. Yeah. At her graduation, Junko's principal presented her high school diploma, which was given to her parents. And that is the not super great case of this abduction not awesome no i will say 44 days of that oh god i I don't know how she held on no because there were some things that like i was reading i was like i just i can't imagine like the amount of torture you go through 500 rapes in 44 days that alone i can't imagine you surviving through no sure she was physically going on but obviously they've done an autopsy and proof that like sure her body was going on but her mind definitely wasn't that's got to be so fucking hard i mean some of the abuse i didn't include because it's just so graphic but the abuse to her sexually it got to the point where she couldn't actually go to the bathroom i don't know how she didn't go to shock sooner right 44 days is a long is a long time yeah yeah, I'm going to just jump right into this because it's terrible. And yeah. I don't really know of any good small talk that would make an appropriate intro to nah. this case. There is also a trigger warning in mind for forced abortion. Now, this case spans over a decade. So this is a brief overview, but I'm going to give you guys some names of things at the end. 
So Ariel Castro is an immigrant who moved to Cleveland, Ohio, where he purchased a home at 2207 Seymour Avenue in 1992. At that time, he was married with four children, but to put it bluntly, he was a terrible husband and father. He's just kind of a shitty person. He was prone to fits of rage and was abusive to literally all members of his family, like his wife and all of his children. Nobody was really safe from him. So after four years, in 1996, his wife was like, fuck this shit, I'm not dealing with this anymore, I'm out, I want a divorce, this is it. She also took custody of their children. At this time, Ariel was working as a school bus driver. He would still see his children on occasion, and he would also like meet his children's friends, because he was driving their school bus. Yeah. So that's how he approached Michelle Knight in 2002. She was a 20-year-old friend of one of Ariel's older daughters. She was going through a fucking terrible time in her life. She was having financial troubles and had recently lost custody of her two-year-old son. She had a hearing on August 23rd and was just looking for a way to get there. She had a ride lined up, but... Things fell through. She didn't have money to pay for, like, a cab. She was trying to figure out a bus situation. She was also trying to figure out, like, exactly where it was at because she didn't get all of the information the way that she was supposed to. Yeah. And she was just, like, she was struggling and she was trying to fight for custody of her child. Oh, I can't imagine. So she was just doing all the things she possibly could. Yeah. And life was just kicking the shit out of her. Yeah. Enter Ariel Castro. He was the father of a friend of hers, and he heard her in a store asking for directions for to get to the courthouse. He was like, hey, you know my daughter, so-and-so. And she was like, oh, yeah, I know who you are, school bus driver. And he was like, yeah, I can totally give you a ride to the courthouse. And since he was a father of a friend, she felt comfortable accepting a ride from him. Once in his car, Michelle saw an advertisement for puppies. And she was like, oh, my kid, he loves puppies so much. One day, like, I want us to get a dog, all that jazz. They started driving, and Michelle was like, hey, I feel like we're going the wrong direction. I feel like when I asked for directions, they said it was that way. And he was like, yeah, no, I'm going to take you to the courthouse, but we're going to stop by my house first because I'm going to give you a puppy for your son, Joey, to have. Like, this, we're just going to drive by, stop real fast so you could see the puppies, pick out which one you want, and then I'm going to take you to your court appearance. When they got to the house, though, he obviously had different motives. Of course. Yep. He was like, oh, come inside, see the puppies. And she was like, well, this is a little weird. And also, like, I really want to fucking get to the court. So maybe I should just, like, go along with it so that we can fucking hurry up and get over with it. Right. And also, puppy. Once she entered the house, he flipped a switch and became a monster. The first thing he did was violently rape her. And drug her to the basement where he chained her up. Yeah. Michelle Knight was the first of three girls that Ariel Castro would kidnap over the next two years. 
A year after he kidnapped Michelle, he offered the 16-year-old Amanda Berry a ride, and she accepted for the same reason Michelle had. She knew one of his children. About a year later, he repeated the same scenario again with a girl named Gina DeJesus, who was close friends with one of Ariel's daughters. Gina was only 14 years old at the time of her abduction, so he continuously trended down. I'll go ahead and mention now, Michelle, he thought she was younger than she was when he abducted her, which leads into some other things later on. I think it's just important to mention. Now, at first, like I said, Ariel kept them chained in the cellar downstairs. While he kept them imprisoned, he just lived his life as normal as these assholes do. He continued driving school buses and inviting friends and family over under strict house rules that people couldn't go downstairs. After a few years, he began to keep them chained upstairs. And, you know, then the rules changed. No. And it was always like, oh, well, the basement's flooded. So that's why I have a lock on it because people don't need to go down there. Um, or, oh, I'm doing some renovations upstairs. It's not safe to go up there. Don't, don't do yeah. that right now. Just bullshit excuses that honestly, like if these are going on for years and years, for years and years and years, people are adamant that you can't go in these parts of their houses. It's got to be like, what you got? Right. And actually at one point, supposedly, some of his family members were like, something fishy is going on here. And like, you need to let us go down in the basement and come clean. And he was like, no, fuck you. And like, they were like, we're, we'll potentially get the law involved. And he was like, no, it's flooded down there. I promise. Like, I swear. And it kind of calmed them down. And then he like later moved the girls upstairs and was like, oh, see, my basement was flooded, but it's totally fine now. See, I'm not hiding anything. Look at this. So it was really just kind of like moving them around to try and get people distracted. Yeah. Now, over the next decade, these girls would be completely kept out of the light of day. The only consistent thing in their lives, unfortunately, was the frequency that they were raped. Once Ariel began, he would repeat the act multiple times a day. And he was very adamant that, you know, they... they tell him that they enjoyed it he's so sexy how much fun they had and if they didn't he would get more violent with them gina the youngest of his victims was a virgin when she was kidnapped and he made a big deal about that yeah the first time after he raped her she was crying and obviously feeling terrible and he got up and told her that, you know, they need to celebrate because she had her first time. Amanda kept detailed journals of her time while she was imprisoned. She recorded a time where he strangled her with a vacuum cleaner hose. And she was just like, okay, go ahead and kill me. Yeah. Please just end it now. And he told her that, no, you know, he wasn't a murderer. He's not here to kill her. He just, he has a problem. You know, he can't be held responsible. He he can't help himself. He also complained to Michelle about his sexual problem. 
and he told her that he was a sex addict and the only way for him to get over it is if she cut off his penis. And Michelle was like, fucking okay, sure. And he was like, but I mean, if you do that, I would have to respond in kind and hurt you back. There we go. So, you know, there's that. But, like, that's the only way I'll ever be healed. So. Yeah. Things in the house only got worse when pregnancy was involved. With the fact that he's raping them without protection, it was bound to happen at some point. Michelle was the first one to get pregnant. And, unfortunately, she was Ariel's least favorite victim she believes it was because of her age like i mentioned before she had a baby face and she assumes that he thought she was younger like amanda gina's age once he realized how old she was he was actually angry like after he had already kidnapped her and she was like no i'm 20 he was like pissed but it was too late because not like he could just let her go and he's also like well she's already here so might as well keep doing whatever i want to do even though i'm pissed that she's not a teenager michelle was the one in the house that really just drew the short end of the stick ariel would order food for instance um so obviously he's not a huge chef so he'd order like chinese food and amanda who was his favorite he would let have first dibs And then once she got done, Gina was allowed to eat. And then once they'd eaten their fill, he would let the food sit for a few days or sometimes weeks. And then he would let Michelle eat it. Yeah. So she always got food, like the scraps. Yeah. That were usually rotten, foul, just terrible, usually not fit for human consumption. That's what he would give her. She was sick a ton, too, because of this. When he found out that she was pregnant, he was furious. And over her time held captive, she was pregnant multiple times. Each time he would force her body into having an abortion, either by beating her or starving her until her body couldn't function and would abort the pregnancy. Now, this type of treatment made Amanda terrified when she realized that she was pregnant. A month earlier, before she realized this, her mother had passed, which she had learned from the news online. See, Ariel Castro, what he liked to do was let them watch the news when, you know, it was talking about them. So why their families are on there like, oh, I really, like, I miss you if you know where they're at. Like, he'd be like, let's watch this. Do you want to see the news? Your mom's on the news. Let's go watch this. So she found out that her mom had died. She was obviously shattered. And she's like, I am out here. I am alive. Like, I'm living in hell. But I'm alive. And my mom has no idea where I'm at. And she is in the same town as me. Right. And she is still searching to the point. Like, she was such a vocal, like outspoken person about how she was still looking for her daughter all these years later that when she died the news ran a story on her jeez yeah because her mother was also only 43 years old when she died and she died from heart failure so doctors were kind of like she basically had a broken heart yeah 
So Amanda felt like her pregnancy was basically her mother sending her a guardian angel after being trapped in living hell for so long. She was like, I am pregnant. I have nothing. When this other girl is pregnant, she gets treated like shit. She gets treated worse than shit. I am so fucking scared. So, she was like, all right. The only way this is going to work if I is if I manipulate him into thinking that I'm brainwashed yeah. into loving my life with him. And, oh, look, we're having a baby, which is so great because they're just, you know, the perfect family. And she's so happy. And this is going to be the perfect baby. And he's going to be a great dad. And he's a fucking idiot. So, of course, he ate that shit up. And made Amanda even more special to him because he's like, oh, yes. See, she's so good. And she knows that I'm here not because I want to hurt her because I'm a bad person. Right. So, yeah, and she was like, this, this was all about keeping myself and my baby safe. That's all I cared about. And she's like, as long as he's happy and excited about it, yeah. he's not going to hurt me. Yep. On Christmas, Amanda gave birth to a baby girl that okay. she named Jocelyn. Ariel made... Well, obviously, he wasn't going to let Amanda go to the hospital. Uh-huh. So he made Michelle assist her in birth uh-huh. and was like, you have to birth this baby. Good luck. Okay. And if anything happens to either of them, like, I'm going to fucking kill you. Okay. Because it's your fault. Yeah. And, of course, she is super traumatized already from everything in life. Right. Plus <laughs> the fact that she has been forced into having multiple abortions. And it's just... It's a lot. It's a lot. And Jocelyn entering the household changed a lot. Ariel was still terrible and would still violently sexually assault the women, but he was forced to change things around the house and the way they were kept. At this point, about five years into their captivity, the girls were no longer chained in the basement, but at this point were kept in the bedrooms upstairs most of the time. Amanda and Jocelyn had a room together, and then Michelle and Gina shared another room. Their rooms were, of course, dirty, unkempt, and at times they were still, like, chained up in the room, either to the wall or um, he would chain them to radiators. And they were, like, big, heavy shackles. Yeah. And they'd be chained, like, around their waist. Sometimes it'd be on their arm. Just kind of whatever he felt like doing to confine them in their rooms. The only bathroom they had was a trash can that was changed infrequently. So at times it would be weeks before he cleaned things up. Again, this was another reason why they were sick a lot because they were just living in their own filth. These girls, they just kind of had their own little support system. When they were sick, they would nurse each other. It wasn't uncommon, like, especially between, like, sometimes if one was sick, if one of the others were in a room with them, they would, like, maybe save their food and give it to the one that was sick so they could, like, try and get better. It's almost like you're a family. Exactly. In their own fucked up way. 
I mean, yeah, yeah, obviously. Now, Ariel tried even harder to, like, force Michelle down. Yeah. And the hierarchy, like, he said that she wasn't even allowed to call Jocelyn by her name. She was only allowed to call her pretty. She couldn't look at her. She wasn't allowed to touch her. Okay. Unless he specifically told her to do something. Like, he was very much like, you're a piece of shit and you don't deserve to be here. Now, as Jocelyn got older, she began to notice things. Yeah. Because that's what kids do. Yep. She would be inquisitive about the chains that the her mother and the other girls in the house wore. And at first they're like, oh, these are just bracelets. These are our jewelry. Because they were trying to make it as normal as possible because they don't want to fucking traumatize her. Right. But Or get her killed. Right. And Ariel wanted to take Jocelyn out into, like, the regular world. And, like, he he would take her to church with him. Okay. Yep. That's normal. Because, you know, that's what he did. He was just living his normal life. Yeah. And. But it's not normal. Exactly. And if he wanted to do that, he couldn't have her, you know, talking about the ladies at home wearing bracelets attached to the walls and radiators. Yeah. So, Ariel allowed them to stop wearing chains. He would not chain them up anymore. They were still locked in different rooms in the house. But. They weren't chained. They weren't chained to the wall. They could actually move around. And at times, like, they were allowed to move around in the house. So they were given a little more freedom. Now, Amanda really wanted to teach Jocelyn, like, as much as she could to try and get a normal schedule just so she could have some sense of normalcy in her early years. So she convinced Ariel to buy her school supplies. And she basically like made a little like imaginary walk to school every day. And then she would have her like, this is school time now. We're going to do this, this, and this. And we're going to learn the alphabet and we're going to learn shapes and we're going to do all this stuff that you would do in school. And Amanda's like, that basically like, yes, it was for her, but also it, was to keep me sane. In order for Ariel to feel comfortable with this additional freedom, quote unquote, that the women had, he got reinforced doors to the outside world. So that even if they were moving around in the house, there were lots and lots of locks that they had to get through before they could get out of there. Yeah. So in 2012, he was fired from his job as a school bus driver for unsafe driving practices and leaving children alone unattended in the school bus. Well, he was terrible as hell. Now, he was obviously angry because he felt like it was unfair, which made his abuse of Michelle more intense. Again, she was so clearly singled out especially to take the brunt of his physical beatings, which left her jaw so badly damaged that she couldn't speak properly. And after he was fired, Ariel was just constantly around the house. Until May 6th of 2013, Jocelyn ran to her mom and said, Mommy, Daddy's car is gone. And Amanda was like, Huh, that's weird. He's gone in the middle of the day. Like, that's not... It's not normally his 
what he does now, but okay. She kind of looked around some and was like, the door, the front door is not locked. And at first she was like, what do I do? Because I either make a break for it and maybe I get out of here or I try and make a break for it and he's actually not gone. Yeah. And this is just a trap to see if he can trust us. Yeah. So, yeah, she's going, like, this could be a trap or this could be our way out. And she's like, fuck it. I'm going to take a chance because uh, yeah. who knows when I'm going to get another one. I feel like you just get to that point. Exactly. So Amanda grabbed Jocelyn and ran to the screen door that was still locked and began screaming for help. Ooh. Eventually, a neighbor heard their screams and came to investigate. When w- they got- Would you investigate if you were the neighbor? I would call the cops. I would be like, I'm in my house and I've been hearing people scream. WTF. What do I do? I, uh, hey, you should probably look in this. So when neighbors arrived, Amanda begged them to help her. And one of them kicked in the screen door, allowing Amanda and Jocelyn to run out. And hide in the neighbor's home while he called police before Ariel returned home. Now, while Ariel was still gone, police arrived. Amanda was like, this is who I am. I've been missing. There are two other girls in that house. You need to go get them because he will kill them. Yeah. And police were like, okay, we've got probable cause. We're going in there. And they went in there and they rescued Michelle and Gina. Now, eventually, Ariel was located. I would hope so. And arrested. And, of course, in court, tried to say, you know, this is we are all one big happy family. Oh. And this is just all a big misunderstanding because, you know, these girls agreed to be here because. Yeah. Polyamorous you know, relationships. It's what we're here for. They wanted to be locked in those bedrooms. The three women all spoke just super plainly on the abuse that they sustained from Castro, both physically, mentally, and emotionally. And we're all like, no, this is not a misunderstanding. He's a terrible monster. Now, of course, all of the women who were held captive had to have extensive rehab and therapy to even be able to reenter society. Michelle chose not to live with her family because she was like, I just... I'm yeah. not I'm not the same person anymore. Like I want to reconnect with my son. Like this no. Amanda and Gina are still very close and they both went to live with their respective families for a little while in the beginning stages of their recovery. Ariel Castro was sentenced to prison for life plus a thousand years. Uh but he Good. Yeah. But he committed suicide less than a month after sentencing. Ooh. Well, and they have, like, all three of the girls, like, have kind of mixed thoughts on it. Yeah. Some of them are like, like, it's half, I am glad he's not on this planet anymore, so I don't have to, like, he's dead. Right. I literally, like, he literally is. You don't have to be afraid of that monster. Exactly. But then at the same time, it's like, you didn't get enough punishment for what you did to me. Where's my justice? Exactly. Yeah. So. These girls all have written accounts on their time in captivity, which I highly recommend. Like I said, if you want more information on the story, they're more in depth than I was able to get into. Right. Because, I mean, it's 10 years. A decade. Yeah. 
You could literally talk for hours and hours about it. Michelle's book is called Finding Me, A Decade of Darkness, A Life Reclaimed. And then Amanda and Gina actually wrote their story together. Yeah. Yeah, they're still really close. And it's called Hope, A Memoir of Survival in Cleveland. And that is the story of the abduction of Michelle Knight, Amanda Berry, and Gina DeJesus by Ariel Castro. Super fucked up. And it's kind of like, it sucks that it's still like, like, even now, the amount of, obviously, the amount of damage that he did to them, of course, but like, even to the point where like, yes, they were forced to rely on each other as a family, but like, the psychological trauma that Michelle went through was so intense that she's like, I can't even see these people anymore. Yeah. Like, I can't see them. I can't be around them. Like, I don't. Like, yeah. whereas some people are a like trigger of like a bad time, mm-hmm. and then others like Amanda and Gina, like it's like they the, bond exactly. Yeah. It's kind of like they were each other's like rock. Obviously, like yeah. Amanda had her daughter, and that really became her like right. thing to keep her going. Mm-hmm. But like Gina's yeah. very vocal, like yeah, like there know. were times where it's like I didn't want to go on, but it was like yeah, yeah, yeah. you've got these other women in the house that Mm -hmm. are like encouraging you to like keep fighting don't give up exactly and they were all horribly physically abused and they all still have like the scars from that of course but like michelle definitely she yeah she got the brunt of it even if they did support her like she had a a tougher time right she was held captive for the longest she was the only one who had to deal with him one-on-one treated the worst Mm -hmm. i mean like saying something right and she was like she was always the example like there are stories of like like gina whenever she first got there he was like oh well i'm just gonna i'm gonna rape michelle so you can see what right you know this is all about like and he just like degraded her so much like to a whole other level like he dehumanized her so much yeah which, obviously, again, he did to all three of them. But, like, she had a different level, I think, than they did. Well, that's fucked up. Super fucked up. Yeah. Uh, you want to move on to Weekly Verdicts? Oh, yeah, real fair. Um, So, the case I was talked about. Uh, which, yeah. Which, like, because I think you are into anime, right? Yeah. So, apparently, there's an anime based off of it. Oh. I don't, don't want to watch her, that. Her, okay. Fuck, let me look it up real fast because it's, like, a long title. But I don't watch anime, so... I don't, unless you count Sailor Moon. <laughs> right. Um, but, like, her case is, like, known as, like, the girl trapped in, like, cement or something. Mm-hmm. So, like, her death inspired an anime movie. Mm-hmm. So that's what it is. Um, and I guess um, in 1995, a movie entitled Concrete Encased High School Girl Murder Case was inspired by that. And then a movie called Concrete. Okay. So, I don't know if you've ever heard of those. No, I have not. <laughs> and I'm, I, I don't know that I want to see that. I just was curious. Fair enough. If you ever, like, have heard it referenced yeah. in, like, no. any conversations or anything. Because no. I've never heard of such a thing. But now I will know if it ever does get referenced yeah. around me. Yeah, it's based off of that. <laughs> Great. So. Great source material. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let me get moving the weekly verdicts. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I will just go ahead and say that 
my weekly verdict is yes i got really annoyed with all of the dudes trying to talk down to me but i have ac in my car again and that makes me very happy because it is it's hot hot as heck even so yeah that's i'm just very glad to have ac AC. yes so yeah that's mine I'm thankful for my new job. Yes. Can I do that again? Yes, you can. <laughs> I say it's okay. I um, I don't know. It's been really busy with yeah, working and like Mondays I work like twelve hours because mm-hmm. I babysit and then like Wednesday I babysat late, like till nine. So I don't have a lot of time for me. <laughs> yeah. And I haven't gotten paid yet, so like I don't have money to like go buy something. Yeah. Be like, this is my weekly verdict. I'm excited. I got a new candle. <laughs> See, I like I can't even come up with that. Right. Um I do like my I do like my new job. Oh I'll say my weekly verdict is being excited for my residency next week. Yes. There we go. That'll work. That'll be great. Yes. I'm excited. I can't wait to hear about it. Hopefully it's good and I don't fail. <laughs> you won't. It'll be great. <laughs> so um Oh. Yeah. All right. Um, so on to our first responders unit. Please. As always, you guys know you can find us on Instagram, which is Luminol Cocktail Pod. You can find us on Facebook, which is Luminol Cocktail Podcast. And you can find us on our website, which is luminolcocktail.com. And please, please, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen. We would super appreciate it. Also, don't forget to check out our Patreon. The link is on our link tree and our Instagram. It's also on the website because I made sure of it. Woo! (laughs) You can Uh, also subscribe to the website. Yes. Yes. Do all the things. Subscribe. Let us know. You can write posts if you have opinions on any of our topics. There's forums on the website. Tell us what you think. We cannot wait to hear from you. And then before we go... We do have a new Patreon shout out. Thanks, Ian. We're, you know, keeping up our our uh, our promises to the people who sign up for a Patreon. Absolutely. We're going to shout you out. Yeah, so thanks, yeah. Ian, for becoming a patron. And I hope you enjoy that brand new bomb ass shot glass that's <laughs> coming your way. So, yeah, uh, we hope you guys had fun fun and enjoyed this episode let us know what you think we will be back next week to serve you another round of luminol cocktails